You've seen God's blessings in this week, even though you had trouble, even though you may be wore out, even though things may be going on, God is still blessing us in this time and in this hour. Amen? Hallelujah. So many times our everyday lives, our ego and our pride gets in our way. I got to tell you, I haven't preached in a while, and so I've got a sermon tonight that I'm going to just get started in because it may go for a while. How many is, how many is down in here for the long haul? Nine o'clock's all right with you tonight. It's not with me, so I'm going to hurry through this. My back, I don't think, could take that much. So I'm glad you're on board with it, though, just in case. God wants to move. I'll go sit down, just, and he'll move through uh, some different things. But uh, anyway, I'm going to go quick. <laughs> so many times in our everyday life, our ego or pride shows up when we don't even think it's affecting us. Things that we walk through in each, in each and every day in our everyday life, we walk through some things, we do some things sometimes simply because of our pride and our ego. Now, I can tell you this, I want, I want kids and I want people to take pride in the way they smell. When we as youth pastors, we had a rule that you showered before you got on the church van. Because we're locked in that cage with you and have to smell you. You take a shower and change your, put on clean clothes. You have to do these things. Now, that's not an ego, but that's not prideful. That's just, you know, I don't want to smell you. I had a cousin today posted on Facebook. He said, I'm in the doctor's office, and four people walked in. He said, and one of them had been skunked. He said, now the whole room stinks like a skunk. <laughs> so, I understand. I'm, I'm with him on that. How many can admit sometimes our own pride gets in our way? Our selfish ways, our ego gets in the way, and it just it rears its ugly head in our life. We're just like, I can't believe. I mean, we're Christians here tonight. How many is a Christian here tonight? It looks like 100% here tonight. All right. So, it, it's still hard for us to admit at Christians that sometimes we we have a trouble of putting the old man down, right? I want to give him a piece of my mind. How many know most people can't afford to give away any of their mind? I found that out too. It's hard for us to admit we still have some flaws. All of us want to believe that we're good Christians and we don't occasionally have problems with ourselves. I'm going to be transparent tonight. Occasionally, we struggle with wanting to do things our own way. How many ever struggle with that? I got to admit it. I, I want to do it my own way. I don't care if it's just, you know, writing something down on my computer, the way my paper looks and everything. If somebody were to see this, they'd go, you don't even put your sentences right. They're not this. This is my own way. I understand this. I can follow this good. So this is my own. But some things that I, I say this in our family all the time. It doesn't have to be your way to be done right. Yeah, but I just wanted it to I, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. I hear the song in my head already. Let it go. This is not my text, but I, I wanted to point out some things in the Bible. And it, it has to do with our story we're going to read tonight. Proverbs 21 and 2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. This is the, the, the New King James Version. But the Lord weighs the heart. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. 
When I do something, I think it's right because in my eyes, this is what I need to do. But sometimes pride and ego and selfishness gets in there and, you know. Isaiah 5, 21 says, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. The word woe here means a condition of deep suffering or misfortune, affliction, grief, ruinous, if that's a word, that's what the dictionary said, trouble or calamity. Calamity to those who are wise in their own eyes. Read it like that. Trouble to the one that's wise in their own eyes. We find scripture after scripture that describes man and how we think we're right in our own eyes. I googled it today and 30 scriptures come up. 30 scriptures. That must be a pretty important thing to God. We must be careful about our own way of thinking and believing that we're right all the time. How many knows there's only one thing that's right? And that's God and His Word. That's God and His Word. We need to be careful. We need to be careful. I remember there were some things in, in my life growing up in a preacher's house that I thought, this is right. This is okay. And I'm not going to tell you right now, but if you want to know later, I, you can come up and ask me. And, and I thought, this is the way it should be. And when I started studying the Scripture, I found out I was dead wrong. And in my thinking, my thinking was, this is a good thing. This is, this is the right thing to do. But when I studied the scripture, the right thing was not what Drew thought. We have to be careful. We have to, be, uh, we have to stay grounded in the word. It doesn't matter what I think. And I don't want to offend anybody on Facebook or offend anybody here in the tabernacle. But it doesn't matter what you think either. What matters is what God says. And what's his word say about things? Amen. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. How many know we need counsel tonight? We need to counsel the Word of God. We need to counsel God, and He speaks to us through this Word. My text is in 2 Kings chapter 5, beginning at first, verse number 1. And I believe we can learn from God's Word every time we read it. I heard uh, I was laying on my back. Uh, trying to get some rest, trying to be still and not hurt. And uh, I heard a preacher preaching this. And boy, when he started preaching it, it started resonating in my heart. God began to speak to me. This is what you're going to preach. And so here it goes. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse number 1. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria... He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had, had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were, were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothes. I, I think that's funny, ten changes of clothes. I've got to have all them clothes with me. That's just me when I was reading them. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised... 
when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that, he may, uh, that you may heal him of his leprosy. Verse number 7 said, And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. In other words, this dude's just wanting to fight. He's setting me up for a fight. Verse number 8, So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's confidence right there. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. I want to preach to you tonight for a few moments with the subject, Stopping at the Door. Stopping at the Door. Stopping at the door. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you, you will illuminate this word in us tonight, Lord, that we'll understand, we will see and hear what you want us to see and to hear. God, that the seed of the word will go down deep inside of us and take root, Lord, that it may flourish in the days to come. I ask you, Lord, to anoint your servant, Lord, as I speak your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. How many know we need God to work in our lives the way he wants to work in our lives. We need God to work in our lives the way he sees fit to work in our lives, right? But the problem is we want God to work in our lives the way we want God to work in our lives. Boy. Boy. We see things with our natural eyes and we begin to figure out exactly how God needs to intervene. God, I have the plan for you. We're drawing up blueprints for God. We're storing them away. God, when you're ready, I've got the blueprints. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give these to you so you know exactly what to do. You know exactly what to do once I give you these. We pray, God, you know my needs. You love me. You said, I love it when people use the word like this. You said you would give me the desires of my heart. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. That's what Psalms 37, 4 says. That is scripture. Sometimes we pray it like that. I'm sure I'm in your will. God, when I'm asking these things, I'm sure I'm in your will asking these things. Would you give me a new house? Would you give me a new car? Would you give me a financial blessing? Would you give me a miraculous healing? And God, just for you. This is, this is for God now. I found the best way for you to do it. I figured it all out for you. You don't have to stress or strain over this, God. I've got it for you. This is how you can do it. I figured it out. Everybody's laughing, but you know we've all been guilty of this. We've all been guilty of this. I found the best way. to. What we're really saying is we see or we found the most convenient way for God to bless us without any trouble for us. That's what we're really saying. God, I figured out exactly how you can bless me. And, and you know what? I don't have to do anything for this. God, I figured out how you can get me out of this trouble. And, and, and God, you, you're going to get me out of this trouble. And, and, and I'm not even going to be harmed by it. it. It's all good. You know, even though I caused all this, I figured out a way that I can get around the trouble. We found the best way to fill our needs without us having to do anything 
uncomfortable. And so we want to let God know about it. How many can be honest and say, I've prayed that way before. I've told God exactly how to fix something or how to bless me. Have you, have you said that before? We, we do it. Yeah, we do it all the time. That doesn't mean you're evil or anything. It, it's human nature. We do these things. I see the answer, God. I see it with my natural eye. So that must be the way that you want to do it. Don't you wish God would just consult with you on, on matters of your life? Just, hey, how, Brother Scotty, how would you like me to bless you today? You know, well, God, let me tell you, um, <laughs> I can start with this, you know, and, and that's the way we are. We're like, I'd, I'd love for God just to say, Drew, you know, is there anybody you want me just to, um, you know, take my flipper and just, just do one of them to somebody? And uh, he doesn't consult me like that. Naaman was a mighty man in the army of Syria. He was a, a mighty man of valor. The NIV Bible uh, calls him a, a valiant soldier. He was what we would call a modern-day war hero. But the Bible also said he had a problem. He had a problem. Naaman had leprosy, the most dreaded disease of that day. It was a death sentence. Leprosy was not only incurable, it was very painful and a slow death. Your flesh would literally rot, literally rot off while you're still alive. At first, they say it would start at your fingers and your toes and would rot, and they would fall off. Then your limbs would fall off. It was terribly disfiguring to whoever, who, who, whoever had leprosy. And the Bible even says that Naaman did all these great things. He was well-respected, respect, a man of integrity, a man of bravery, of courage, he had a, a terribly disfiguring disease of leprosy. All the good things he had done, he had still had a problem. He still had a great need. Amen? He was a great man, but he had a great need in his life. He won many battles and many wars, but he couldn't conquer leprosy. He had a need that was beyond his control. How many has a need that's beyond your control? You have needs in your life. You know there's no possible way that I'm going to fix personally. It has to be God. Boy, I tell you what, when we get to the end of ourselves, I always say this all the time. If we get to the end of ourselves a little quicker, we'll get to God a little faster too. Because we try everything we can try, and then we try God. I'll say this. Make him your first choice and not your last resort. Amen. He had a need that was beyond his control. He had a need that money couldn't fix. He had a need that the banker couldn't pay for. He had a need that the doctor couldn't heal. He had a need that no psychiatrist, physician, banker, or lawyer could supply. He had a need that no one could help him with. He had a need that took the supernatural. Hallelujah. He had a need that took the miraculous. He had a need that only God could supply. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When he's all that you have you'll realize he's all that you need. Amen? Did you notice in our text, it, 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 this is something I was reading through there, and I noticed it, that it says, it almost like by happenstance, or it just so happened that Naaman's wife had a servant and a little Israelite girl who had been captured during the uh, 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 Syrian raid. How many know this, this little girl, this little Israelite, had a message for Naaman? in this story right here, had a message for Naaman. And when I was reading the story, I kept thinking to myself, God always has somebody speaking into your life if you're ready to listen for him. You know what? God will speak to you personally if you listen to him. Hallelujah. 
he had a need. And he had someone there to speak into his life. If only my master would see the prophet who's in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. I'm sure Naaman's wife's ears perked up when she heard these words. I'm sure she was eager to tell Naaman what this little girl had said about the prophet and how he could heal him of this disease. Now Naaman knows and he relays the message. This is information to the king of Syria who sent Naaman and to Samaria with a letter to the king of Israel regarding the matter and with gifts of silver and gold and clothing. I read a lot of commentary on this today. They said part of the gold and the silver and the clothing and stuff was to, to give them a gift, but then it was also for him too, or for his journey and everything he'd had to pay for. Upon reading the letter, the king of Israel was frightened, believing the king of Syria was trying to pick a fight with him. He tore his clothes This was a sign of grieving. He said, am I God? Am I God? What what is this letter? Are you kidding me? Am I God? Can I do this? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of leprosy? How how am I going to do that? Another thing I noticed about this story, isn't it odd the king didn't realize there was a prophet there that could heal him of leprosy? He forgot. Maybe he just forgot. There's a miracle working God, and there's a prophet here that's working for him. It's sad that the Syrians knew more about God's work in Israel than the king himself knew. Elisha heard about the letter. He calmed the fears of the king, telling him, send Naaman to me. I think a red rover. Send him right over. I got him. Just send him on over to me. I got this. Elisha said, please let him come to me, and he shall know that there's a prophet in Israel. Send him on over. There's healing. I know he's going to be healed. Send him on over to me. That's great faith right there. That's great faith. That's the kind of faith that I want to have right there. Send him on down here to TFT. We're going to pray for him. We're going to anoint him. They're going to be healed in Jesus' name. I want people to say, go down to TFT. That's where the people of God are. That's the people that believe in the miraculous, that their God is going to heal the needs of the people. Mm. I want to be like Elisha and say, send them on down here. I want them to know that there is a prophet in Greenbrier. There is a people in Greenbrier, Arkansas, that still believes that God will heal. Hallelujah. Naaman, he was desperate. He was in a desperate situation. So he listens to the Israelite girl. He goes to the king for permission to go to the prophet's house. And the king says yes. So Naaman goes to Elisha's house. And look what the scripture says in verse 9, 2 Kings 5. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot. And he stood at the door of Elisha's house. Hmm. Notice that the Bible said that Naaman stood at the door. The NIV says that Naaman stopped at the door. He stopped at the door. Stopped at the door. After everything that Naaman had been through, after all the pain that he's endured, after all the suffering in his body, after finding out that he could be healed, he stopped at the door. After opening up his great entourage, you know he wasn't traveling by himself. He was a star. He was a big timer right there. He probably had two or three silver eagles back there with him, or silver camels, whatever it was. 
He had all of his camels and horses and chariots, his silver, his gold, and all of his servants. And he comes all the way from Syria to the prophet's house, and he stops at the door. Stops at the door. It stuck me. It stuck in me. It just, I kept reading that. He, he stopped at the door. The healing that he was looking for was right there at the house, but he stopped at the door. Wow, and it got me thinking. Got me thinking. People are just like Naaman. 2021, human beings are still just like Naaman. People need God to meet their needs. They know where to go. They know, they know who they need to see. But they stop at the door to their solution. They stop short of their solution. People will come all the way to the door of salvation. All the way to the door of provision. All the way to the door of healing. All the way to the door of joy and strength. And they stop at the door. They never take a step over the threshold to salvation. To forgiveness. To healing. To peace. Why? I believe they're like Naaman. They want it on their own terms. They want it their own way. I believe Naaman stopped at the door because he wanted God to meet him on his terms. After all, he was used to everyone doing whatever he wanted. He was a commander and he was highly regarded. Why wouldn't this prophet come out and talk to me? Tell me some great thing. He wanted God to meet him on his own terms. He was thinking Elijah would look out the window and say, It's Naaman. It's Naaman. There he is. Look at this huge entourage. It's Naaman. Look, man, I've never had so many camels in my yard. I've never had chariots like this in my yard. This is awesome. I can't believe it. It's the famous general. This is unbelievable. This is fantastic. I believe Naaman was waiting for Elijah to come running out and give him some sort of respect because of all of his accomplishments. Naaman. Man, I'm honored. You're at my house, Naaman. Naaman, it's so good to see you here. I've never had, I've never had a big star like you come over here for me to pray for. This is going to be awesome. I'm so excited to see you. Can I get an autograph before I pray for you? I believe that's what Naaman was doing. He, he thought to himself, you know, I, I deserve some respect here. I'm a man of honor. I'm a man of valor. And we're all thinking, hmm. You remember what I started off with? Does our pride, our selfishness, and our ego get in the way of what God wants to do for us? So many people are thinking the same way Naaman, Naaman was thinking. I want God to save me, to bless me, to heal me. But I want God to do it my way. I, I've told the story here before uh, about a man that I, I heard the story years ago that he wanted the Holy Spirit, wanted the Holy Ghost in his life. But God, I want the quiet Holy Ghost. I don't want to be embarrassed by the Holy Ghost. I want the quiet. So he went to church and praying for the quiet Holy Ghost and he didn't get it. And he was going to work one day and he was on a city bus and he was praying for the quiet Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden the not so quiet Holy Ghost fell on him. He wanted it his way. He wanted it to be his way, the way it was going to come. To, I want the Holy Ghost, but I want it to come my way. We say this all the time, and we don't want to admit it. God, I want things to happen 
but I want it on my terms. God, I want to win the city of Greenbrier, but I, I want it to happen on my one day a week where I can do something. God, I, God, I want people to be saved, but I don't, I don't really have time to pray for them. God, I want to know more about the word, but I don't have time to read. Can you just impart this to me? Thank you, Jesus. Impartation. Well, pastor, I've never said any of that. Our actions say it. Every time we're not praying, every time that we're not reading our Bible, every time we're not in church, our actions are saying it. I'm not talking about people missing church because they have to work. I'm not talking about anything. I'm talking about people willingly miss out on the house of God simply because they're too tired. The joy of the Lord is your strength, sister. Amen. You need to push through some things. I know a lot of people, they push through to get to work. Why? Because there's a paycheck at the end of the week. And if they don't do that, they're going to have to take their vacation days and personal days. And they don't want to do that. So they'll push through when they just don't feel good. Well, we're too afraid of what people might say if we go to an Assembly of God church that's full of the Spirit. We're too afraid that the Holy Ghost might come on us and make us speak in tongues. We're too afraid that we might cry or praise or worship or lift our hands or clap our hands or blow our nose or, God forbid, shout out loud or run the aisles of the church house. We want the quiet Holy Ghost. We want quiet power. I don't know anything that has power that's quiet. Things that have power, it's going to be loud. It's going to be boisterous. You're going to hear it run. I don't care if it's a motor. You're going to hear it running. Can I tell you that God is God and he's going to do things on his own terms? You're not going to negotiate with God. God, I'd like to serve you, but I don't want to act like them Pentecostals. I, I, I just want to the, the just come in and worship my hands this way. Now, sometimes you'll see me worshiping this way. It's because I have some bad shoulders that I have to deal with, and sometimes I can't do this, so I just do this. But that's, some people just want to do that. Oh, I just want to worship God and don't, don't want to get up to here because that's, that's crazy people up there. I'm just a worshiper. God, I don't want to speak out loud because I don't want anybody to hear me. And God, I definitely don't want to get to moving with the song because they'll just think I'm nuts. But at the dance hall, I mean, they were spinning everywhere, throwing themselves on the floor, kicking their legs up on the bar and everything else. But God, I just want to be quiet in your house. It's reverence time. Lord, help us. When it pertains to salvation, God will come to where you're at. He'll get right in the middle of your mess. He will. He'll knock on your heart's door, and then you have to allow him to come in. Amen? Believe on him. Ask him. Continue to follow after him. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You know, that doesn't sound like a really fun trip right there. Deny myself. Can we shut the phone off, whoever's got it on? Deny myself. That's not what pride wants to do. That's not what selfishness wants to do. But we have to deny ourselves and come after Jesus. Deny myself. That's, just, that's not human nature. When I'm hungry, I want to eat. When I'm thirsty, I want to drink. When I want to watch a football game, I want to watch football. You don't want to deny yourself. Nobody just denies themselves. And then you have to take up his cross, follow after him. That sounds like work, Michelle. Can I tell you the ground's level at the foot of the cross? No one gets preferential treatment. 
we all come in the same way. I heard a story, and they, they were talking about they've built a church where uh, they, they suppose that Jesus was born, and they said the door to that church is real low. It's, it's like child size. So when the adult goes in, they have to bend over, humble themselves, bow down, and to enter that spa. And I'm just like, wow, that's pretty cool right there. How true that is, I don't know, but I, that's pretty cool right there. This man said he had been, been there over and over and over, and he had been to that same church over and over, and that's the story they told. The ground's level at the foot of the cross. John 14 and 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We have to go to Jesus. He's, he's the one that we've got to go to. But some people, they want the VIP treatment. They want the VIP treatment. Now, I'm going to tell you, in other things in life, the VIP treatment is fun. I've been to some places where they just treat you so nice. You're like, wow, I could just stay here all the time. They're so nice to me. You know, I don't have to lift a finger. But people want that with God. I want the VIP treatment. I don't, I don't want to have to come in humbly. I don't want to have to humble myself. I mean, God knows, you know, I, I'm a great man out here in the business world. God knows what kind of car I drive, what kind of house I live in. I, I'm too big for, for, to buy myself before God. Lord, help us. People don't want to come to God like everyone else. I know that sinner, you know, he's got to come up there and repent. He's did some bad things. But I'm a good moral person. I don't have to repent. They want a customization of salvation. They don't want a responsibility of the relationship with God. But guess what? God requires for us to do it his way. Shelly, you can come back if you would. Second Kings 5 and 10. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Wow. There, right there in verse number 10, that's the promise of healing in Naaman, right there. Right there, he knows. The messenger come out and said it. If you'll go do this seven times and, and go, go wash yourself seven times in this river, you're going to be, the, the last words is this, and you shall be clean. The leprosy would be gone. You don't have to worry about your, your toes and your fingers falling off. You don't have to worry about your limbs falling off. Your skin's going to be clean if you go do these things. Naaman's too upset, though. He's ticked off that Elisha wouldn't even get off the couch and shut the TV off and come out and talk to him. He sent a messenger. Who does he think he is? I'm Naaman. You get off of that easy chair and get up here and talk to me. I'm Naaman. Look at this entourage out here. I'm Naaman. Verse number 11 says, But Naaman become furious. He went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me. Elisha surely will come out and talk to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord. He had it all figured out. This is the way God was going to heal him. The prophet's going to come to me. Out of respect to me, he's going to come outside. He's not going to send a little uh, peasant out to me. He's, he's going to send the man of God out to me. And he's going to call him in the name of the Lord. And that's the way my healing is going to be. I mentioned at the beginning, we've got it all figured out for God. God, this is how you can bless me. 
This is how you can do it for me. I've got it all figured out, God. This is how you do it. That way I don't, I don't get embarrassed by anything. I don't have to uh, jump through any hoops for you. And, and it just makes us all feel better about everybody. He said, he will surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the, the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him. Aren't you glad for somebody to come and talk to you? Most of the time when I'm mad, I don't want to talk to anybody. He's in a rage, but he's got some people there. Once again, God's got some people there that's going to talk to him. He's in a rage because God didn't do it the way he wanted it done. I'm in, I need healing. I'm in a desperate need. I'm going to die without God's touch. But you know what? I'm stubborn enough to walk away because I'm too prideful to do what he's asked me to do. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean. Boy, they're taking him back to verse 10, verse number 10, where it says, and you shall be clean. Just wash and be clean. Do what he says. Accept the miracle. Do what God says. Wow. Verse 14 says, so he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan. According to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Another, there's so many lessons in this. Obedience. Do what God's called you to do. Stop allowing someone else to stop you from doing what God's called you to do. Stop allowing your pride, your selfishness, from doing what God's called you to do. Too many people want a watered-down message that says you can live any way you want and make heaven your home. Live any way you want because all paths lead to heaven. All religions go to heaven. There's only one way. There's only one way, and it's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. You know what? We could just drink all we want to drink, smoke all you want to smoke. Heard somebody tell me, well, marijuana, they've legalized it so I can smoke it now. And besides, God made it. I told him, I said, God made poison ivy too, but you're not smoking that. Drink all you want to drink. Smoke all you want to smoke. Tell all the dirty jokes you can find. Cheat, lie, steal, sleep around with all you want to and shack up with the devil and still make heaven your home. That's the religion people want to hear. Preacher, don't preach against sin. Don't preach against sin and the things that I'm doing because I'm enjoying it. I'm prideful. I'm selfish. I want to continue to do these things. But I want to be fresh. I want to be clean. I want to have the promises of God. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 says, Therefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. Says the Lord, do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Whatever your need is here tonight, God is the answer. Amen. Would you stand with me? It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. God is the answer. It doesn't matter if you need salvation, if you need the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you need finances, you need, you need health in your life. If you need deliverance from addictions, you just need peace of God in your mind. He's your answer. Guess what? You have to come to Him on His terms. Don't stop at the door. Cross on over. Step on over the threshold and say, God, I will do whatever you want me to do. Whatever you're calling me to do. Whatever you're telling me to do. If I have to go dip in that dirty Jordan River seven times, I'll do it because my healing is there. My healing is there. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for these people. I ask you, Lord, right now that we seal the word of God in our hearts, Lord, with the time of prayer. I ask you, Lord, right now to touch our minds, touch our hearts, Lord. Bring this message up to us in the days to come, Lord, that we'll understand what you're talking to us about. I'm asking you, Lord, to change our hearts. Help us to change our hearts. I know we have to do it, but it's with your help. And I'm asking you, Lord, right now to love us, Father, be understanding. And I ask you to help us to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Would you find your place around the altars?